0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, June 18th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And as always, uh, in 2020, we are in for interesting times, uh, interesting news events, uh, and really changes in the air, right? We know that, we feel that, uh, and the question is, how do you navigate that change? There's so much uncertainty. But that doesn't mean that you can't develop a plan. And investing is about understanding the range of possibilities and the probability of those possibilities. I talked on Monday's show to close about how the Fed was buying 750 billion dollars in individual bonds. Uh, and it really got me... Digging deeper into what's their aim? Why corporate bonds? And I'm certainly going to dig in a little more to some statistics. But I'll give you kind of a broad overview of how I see the markets right now. So if you go back to 2008 and you remember CDOs, right? Collateralized Debt Obligations, these were financial instruments that took hundreds, if not thousands, of different mortgages. Many times, subprime mortgages, chopped them up, gave certain tranches AAA ratings, and if you ever go watch uh, the the Wolf of Wall Street, uh, right, you'll 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 know what that is about, right. Uh, or The Big Short, excuse me. That's probably a better, a better one to watch, The Big Short. You'll know what that's all about. Well, there are parallels today. And the parallels are in what is called CLOs, collateralized loan obligations. And just as in 2008, the powers that be, the central bank and uh, the regulators, they were trying to stave off the unwinding of those instruments. Remember Bernanke saying, oh, subprime's contained. Well, that is what central banks are trying to do today, especially the Fed, and that's why they're buying corporate bonds, which are the assets that are held within these CLOs. Remember, the downfall of the economy in The next cycle will not be the one of the previous cycle, but oftentimes they can be similar. And in this way, I think that is the aim of the Fed right now, is to contain that CLO market. Now, can they avoid the eventual defaults of the underlying companies? That's yet to be seen. But that is their their end goal. And they need asset prices up, right? A big percentage of the growth, over 200% of the growth in consumer spending is now taking money out of IRAs, 401Ks, brokerage accounts. So the, in a lot of ways, the economy is reliant on asset prices to to stay higher. And that is really the Fed's aim because it's kind of reflexive, right? Asset prices fall. That means capital gains taxes drop. It means deficits widen. It means the Fed has to print more to monetize the debt, which means the dollar gets weaker, which means inflation rises, which means interest rates rise, which also means lower asset prices. Right? So that's how the reflexivity in the markets happen. And so that's why it is so imperative for the Fed to continue to print, to continue to buy risk assets, because they need asset prices to stay up. So that's the environment that we're in. And the big question is can we keep it going? How do you position a portfolio in that reflexive environment? Now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm here on Best Talk, and my company, KP Financial. We're based in Irvine, California. We operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So that's how we run our business, it's how we operate in Best Talk. And that's why we are dedicated to unbiased guidance, and we practice. Parallel investing, which means our investments right alongside our clients. And now that I th- I've set things up for today, I'm ready to take your calls. 8899 chart, 899 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. And as since the beginning of COVID, we have postponed all of our trips, but we do many video conferences, telephone calls, jive meetings to set up portfolio reviews, and we help all, a lot of listeners each and every week balance and optimize their portfolio for this reflexive market. So you can send us a message and set up your own time with us through investtalk.com, or you can call our Irvine, California offices in at 800-557-5461. Once again, head over to investtalk.com. Now my main talking point today concerns the story that Is the baby boomer investing era coming to a close? Just as the baby boomer world is coming to a close, the investing environment is shifting as well. You see the political environment shifting, right? As the baby boomers are aging out, millennials are rising, which creates different political environment, but also... They confront a different investing environment than baby boomers saw at a similar age, think the 1970s. So we're going to look at that. I'm also going to dig a little bit deeper into that CLO market that we discussed a little earlier. Which areas of the financial economy are most exposed to CLOs? Which type of companies have bought, invested in the most CLOs over the past decade or so? And also the infrastructure bill. uh, A few days ago, there was a report that the Trump administration is going to propose a $1 trillion infrastructure bill. What type of companies might benefit from that and why might it be pretty important in the current economy? So those are things that are on my mind, things that I want to talk about. So give me a call, 888 chart 899 4278 Let's look at the market today. You had a modest, modest down day overall. Definitely much weaker in the morning. Uh, kind of chopped sideways, so a little higher throughout the day. NASDAQ closed positive, but the S&P slightly down. Same with the, uh, with the Russell. Uh, Actually, sorry, the S&P did close up about two points. So very, very modest update on that. But the NYSE, uh, that closed down about 14 points. So eh, call it down 0.1% on the day for if you look at the broader uh, indexes. So really a flattish day on the market. Still digesting that down day, down week from last week after that Thursday. Uh, we've had a bounce. And I still think post option X, we have quadruple witching tomorrow. I think next week is when you see more fireworks. Now, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and Steve and I have finished recording our answers to 30 voice bank questions. We have posted a new Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour bonus podcast for the month of June. Yes, we answer caller voicemail questions at a faster pace, and you still get our unbiased comments, but we keep things moving a little faster. So tell your friends. They can hear the new June bonus show at investtalk.com. It's a free download. You can also find it on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify to search Invest Talk. And now I'm here and ready to take your calls live at 888 99 Chart. You are
2: listening to Invest Talk. The official start of summer is just days away. But your serious finance and investment questions can't wait justin klein is here now and he'll provide unbiased answers but you've got to call invest talk
3: 888-99-CHART hey steve hey justin my name is sean from philly and i'm calling about enphase e-n-p-h uh, i i already own a position i'm thinking about buying another position since it fell recently i was wondering if you guys thought about that and uh also, I was wondering, what, you, what do you guys use for research? Like, what um,
1: what software? Thank you so much. All right, looking at EMPH. Well, for everybody else, we use uh, various pieces of software. It's never uh, just one. Morningstar is a great source of unbiased, uh, deep dive uh, research and analysis. Uh, there's also a free part of the... Website that I think everyone should use uh, to look up the financials going back 10 years for individual companies. So that's certainly uh, helpful. We also use Y char- charts for our, our uh, economic data as well as uh, stock specific data and filters, et cetera. Uh, and then, you know, a handful of other ones as well for very specific types of, of, of research. Uh, uh, Marketsmith is one. I mean, there's, there's so many out there. Uh, it's just really about getting reliable data. Uh, and being able to utilize that data. Now, Enphase Energy, they develop, design, and sell home energy solutions for the solar industry, and they've been growing pretty dramatically. Revenue up 100% year-over-year, earnings up 375% year-over-year, $5.7 billion market cap, and it's, it's expensive. Enterprise value about 28, but the growth... Is, is pretty good, and I like that they have minimal debt. And so if you're looking for a growth name, this is what you would be, it's the type of company that you would wanna buy. And it has pulled back here from a high of 70, now at about $45 a share. Um, you know, As long as it can hold the 200-day moving average, right around $35 a share, I kinda like it, but you have to be ready for a lot of volatility. This is a name. That can easily move dramatically in one day, just like it did today. It was up 17% today, but yesterday it was down. Ooh, what's that? About 25, 30% looks like. Um, so you know, an oversold bounce today uh, closed in the midpoint of yesterday's trading range. So near term does look bearish, but it's in a uptrend. All the moving averages are moving up, and therefore. Unless it consolidates down here, it'll probably resume its uptrend. uh, But understand that there is the potential for it to break down. If it does, it would break down in a big way. That was ENPH, very volatile, high-risk name. But, you know, if it continues its growth trajectory, it will grow into the current valuation. Eighty-eight ninety-nine chart, 889.92, 4278. Eight. So, you call and ask your question on today's show. And I always urge people to get their calls in sooner rather than later. I know it takes, uh, uh, the, the show goes by quickly. So, uh, you should definitely uh, get your call in right now. Now, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And CPZ will be here tomorrow with highlights from the newest KPP Premium newsletter. And please tell your friends about our June bonus show podcast. We call it the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour, it is all new. Steve and I answer 30 questions at a quicker pace, and it is free to download. And now I'm here, I'm ready to take your finance and investment questions at 888.99 Chart.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Thursday, and there's no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic has caused financial disruptions around the world. But you've got an asset portfolio to protect and grow, so you've got finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here, and he's taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART.
1: Now I did a little deeper dive into the caller question before the break, end phase energy, and I found you know we're just looking at really surface level data real quick, um, but I was interested in why it dropped so much uh, two days ago, and come to find out that a short seller issued a report that said that 39 percent of their revenue was fabricated <laughs> and using accounting gimmicks and inflating revenue and profit, so. I take it back, I definitely wouldn't, uh, wouldn't own it, and it wouldn't shock me. A lot of these smaller growth names, there's the, you know, to me, the SEC has fall, is, is at a phase where they are grossly, grossly letting down the public. Uh, they are not cracking down nearly hard enough on a lot of the the frauds and misrepresentations that are out there in the marketplace today, uh, and, and just those companies that are using extreme ca- accounting gimmicks. And so it, there's there's a lot of these out there that I think many uh, would would not suspect. Say that. So uh, I would definitely pass on Enphase Energy and the fact that looks like about 40% of their revenues are fabricated using accounting gimmicks. Now, obviously, that's unsubstantiated. It's just a report. Uh, but typically, in my experience, where there's smoke, there is fire. Now, my main talking point today concerns a story that is the baby boomer investing era coming to a close. And I thought this was an incredible article. It really distills a lot of what, what, what I see, right? Cause I'm a student of history and, and how markets uh, have performed throughout, throughout history, uh, different asset classes, uh, different generations, right? Talking about the fourth turning and, Right now, we have the rise of the millennial generation in their 20s and 30s. And if you go to the baby boomer generation, and their 20s and 30s were around the 1970s, which is a different economy. Interest rates were very high. Inflation was very high. And you look at today it's very different, right? Where inflation's very low, interest rates are very low, asset prices are very high, and in the 70s, asset prices were very low. In fact, the, the equity markets bottom, what, 81? Were these incredible lows in asset prices, and especially equities. And now you have the mirror image of that. So, this is why I tell people when you're looking at what to buy, A lot of people are looking back the last three years, five years, ten years. And even if you go back 30 years, you have to go back farther. And you have to look at an era that's very different. And I look at this era more like the 40s and 50s as opposed to the last 30 years, right? Because you don't have interest rates going from the high teens down to zero right now, right? We're on the other side of that. So when it comes to real estate, for example, you're not going to have mortgage rates falling dramatically over the next 20 or 30 years. It's going to be a very different real estate market. It's not; Prices are not going to be driven with a nice tailwind of interest rates dropping for the next few decades. Prices of real estate are going to need to rise based on income growth. Now that could be because inflation rises dramatically and people are getting eight, 10, 15% raises like they were in the 70s. That could certainly be the case. But it's not going to be driven by interest rates. It's a different world. So what economies, and when I say economies, I'm saying states, counties, which ones are going to be driven uh, by strong economies? Which ones are going to have weak economies? That's going to be very important. Interests are going to have a much lower impact. Same with stocks, right? Now, if inflation picks up, that's going to be, it's gonna mean interest rates are going up. That also means that growth stocks are going to be here more than your value stocks. If the government turns from relying on central banks to fiscal stimulus, which that's what it seems like it's going to happen. Now remember, I'm not espousing what 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 should be done. I'm just giving you the lay of the land what we see today, right? You had, You have Lagarde in Europe, She's a politician and she was basically put there to meld the ECB and fiscal policy coming out of government. And that's the same thing here. You already seen it, right, with the CARES Act. And so MMT is here. Governments spending money, giving money to people, financed by central banks, we're here, we're there. And that is likely going to benefit your value names more than your growth names, if that also pushes inflation, which pushes interest rates up versus the last 30, 40 years with interest rates falling. Now, on the next in talk, declining inflationary pressures have put many home shoppers in the buying mood, but with mortgage rates at a record low, Americans should not wait long before locking in their best rate. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Let's say Invest Talk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50 percent off. Visit Rosettastone.com/today. That's 50 percent off, unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50 percent off now at Rosettastone.com/today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888
1: 99, chart. Let's go to Alex in Orlando looking at Duke Energy.
3: Hi, Jason. This is Alex. I'd just like to know what is
1: your opinion about Duke Energy? Well, this is one of the largest regulated utilities in the country, $63 billion market cap, 4.4% dividend yield, 2% earnings growth expected this year, 6% next year. They they operate in Florida, uh, South Carolina, a lot of the uh, southern Southeast states, and they're headquartered in North Carolina. So uh, I... I like that region from a growth perspective uh, because I think a lot of people will be baby boomers will be retiring uh, more uh, in the southern part of the United States in Florida. So uh, I like that long term. You know, it's not going to be epic returns, but you're going to nice clip that nice 4.4% uh, dividend. It's very well run. I you know I like it. it, it I don't love it right now, um, but. You know, if you're just a long-term holder, this is definitely uh, a name that should do fairly well. But don't expect giant returns because it's a, it's a boring utility company, but it's a good one. Let's go to Anna in Fremont looking at BIIB, which is Biogen Idec.
3: Hi, Justin. How are you?
1: I'm, I'm doing well. You, you you own Biogen or are you looking to buy it?
3: yeah so uh basically, I bought few position on last Friday at uh two eighty four dollars and now the mm-hmm. price dropped to two sixty. So my mm-hmm. question is, what is your opinion about this stock for the long term hold, and do you think I should buy more by doing like dollar cost average?
1: Yeah, that's probably what I would do. I like Biogen. It's on my uh, watch list. My issue has been that it it hasn't from a long term perspective looked very healthy on the charts it's been it's been making lower highs and lower lows uh on the charts and that that worries me a little bit now that doesn't mean that it it can't turn itself around Uh, there's definitely some poor good support right around 245 or so now it's at 260 and i actually do think it, it heads that way so if you're going to add to it that's that's where i would i would add i like that they have Uh, Minimal debt, long-term, they have very high return on invested capital, and they're just a a very, very strong, uh, one of the strongest biotech companies uh, in the world. So I I like what you're looking at. I like the name. It's on my watch list, but uh, I'm looking for a little bit better prices back around 245, 250, 250, that's where I would uh, get excited about it. So I would just uh, look to be adding to it if you're a long-term holder, but you need to make sure that you have a long-term perspective on this name because it can be quite volatile. So that was Biogen IDECT. B-I-I-B is the symbol. Eight 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 nine nine chart. 888 is how you get through and ask your question. On today's show, we have about 20 minutes left. Let's dive into the CLOs a little bit more. I know, uh, I talked about at the top of the show, uh, that the CLO market is really where the risk to the system is, right? We saw the CDOs kind of blow up in 2008, and the worry from the Fed is that the CLO market will will blow up. And what CLOs are, are they're investment pools that gather together debt of hundreds of companies and they slice it up, they tranche it up, right? And sell pieces off to various entities, right? The riskier ones go to hedge funds that are trying to get six, seven, eight percent yields. Maybe they're leveraging those up as well, similar to the way they did CDOs. And then you have your higher rated tranches double A, triple et cetera, those are bought by safer entities, typically. Not exclusively, but typically. Now, after this decade-plus long chase in yields, U.S. insurance companies have ended up with about a quarter of all CLOs, about $154 billion dollars. And on top of that, more than 2100 of these CLOs both in the US and in Europe have now been put on watch for downgrade by Moody's, S&P, and Fitch. Some of them have even been cut from investment grade to junk. Now what this means is that they need these insurance companies need to increase their collateral So when the value of their underlying assets fall they need to boost the collateral for their regulators. Now UBS estimated that US insurance firms will need to increase their capital held against these CLOs from 145 million to 384 million which and that's if there's a one notch downgrade. Now obviously there's more notch downgrades that'll be more but it's not it's not a death kneel, say that, but that's one of the reasons why, if you look at the life insurance companies, they were hit even more during this recent downturn. And another reason why the entire financial sector has been hurt as well. JP Morgan's a big buyer of these. Now, they're a big, ent- bigger entity, so as a percentage of their total assets, it's smaller, but they've been active in the CLO market as well. Now, 40% of the insurance industry CLOs are the super safe, the a rated debt. So, not to, just because they hold a lot doesn't mean they're super risky, but you can see how this could snowball on itself, right? Where the corporate bond market has gone from $2 trillion to $7 trillion since 2007, and therefore, you have a bit, a much larger part of the, financial system tied to corporate debt. Thus why the Fed is now buying junk bonds, individual bonds in the corporate space. Now another aspect of this where it could very well hurt the economy in a big way is the fact that new deals in the CLO space are down 50% from period last, same period last year. And what that means is less capital flowing, right? When loans are made that's new money being created and that is going to be a drag on the economy as well now let's keep things moving here comes a question from walnut creek california that came in earlier on our Investdoc anytime listener line at 888 99 chart
3: hi guys this is dan from walnut creek california i appreciate your show and all the advice that you provide i've got a question about investing during this time period with the uncertainty of the market I'm not too sure how much or what percentage of my portfolio I should have in cash right now in order to take advantage of purchasing some stocks if the market drops, um, maybe getting some on the cheap. And then I've heard you reference over the past weeks that you're still purchasing some stocks. I'm not too sure in my portfolio what types of stocks I should hang on to and which ones I should be selling. And the final part of that is on some of my stocks, that i don't think i want to keep for long term but they're doing well right now i've placed stop sells on them and i was wondering if you think that this is a good strategy thanks a lot i appreciate all the work you guys do
1: i do think that's a good strategy having stop losses on the equities that are doing well especially because a lot of the equities that are doing well are very high risk right are very volatile and can decline rapidly. So I think that's a good idea. Uh, you know, we are still purchasing uh, some securities, non-cyclical names, good balance sheets. Those are the names that that we like, that we want to gain exposure to, that are going to benefit from this economy. Now, certainly those opportunities are a lot fewer and far between than uh, we've seen, you know, we saw seven, eight, ten years ago, but they're still out there. Now, what level of cash you should have in your on your portfolio? That depends on on your risk tolerance, how active you are, um, what level of yield you need from it, right? We we have a lot of clients who they need yield, they need to earn some return on their portfolio in order to maintain their lifestyle, their their retirement. And if you're in cash, can't really do that. So, you can still be strategic, find good both fixed income and equity opportunities that pay good yields, are on the safer side. Anytime you're out of cash, it's going to give you some level of risk. So, it's hard to assess exactly the level of cash you should have because I don't know your personal situation. Now if you want to reach out to us at investtalk.com, I can set up a portfolio review. We can talk about it more in depth. That would be more appropriate. But um, everyone's situation is a little bit different. That's why we do the portfolio reviews because some people have a lot of money. Some people have a lot of money and they're willing to take risk but they don't spend a lot. And therefore, they shouldn't take a lot of risk. You know they're willing to. Right? So you really need everyone's situation is different and that's why we answer your questions because we know that. We know that each person's different uh, and our job is to assess where you're at, where you're where you're where you want to be, and then set a plan in motion to get you there. So if we're not doing it, you need to do that for yourself. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and during these times you might have some additional discretionary time Because uh, maybe you work from home, commuting less. So I encourage you to explore our website, investtalk.com. And when you're ready to speak with myself or Steve, you can send us a message or call our KP financial offices in Irvine, California. We can easily set up a portfolio assessment by conducting personalized portfolio reviews via telephone, Skype, or Jive meetings. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk,
2: made possible by KPP Financial, where principals and Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. Or reach out to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein by emailing or calling their Irvine, California office. The Invest Talk Radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions 99 chart 99 chart eight eight nine nine two
1: four two seven eight. Let's go to Mars in San Jose, looking at B and G Foods. Hi, Justin. Uh, it's
3: actually Lars. Uh, we met. Oh, at Lars. Last. Hey, Lars. Um, yeah, um, my question is uh, BTS food. Um, I've had it a couple of times. Actually, it was a long time ago. You guys uh, mentioned it on the radio show, and I've bought and sold it a couple of times. Lately, I bought it at down at 17. Now it's at 24. Um, and Steve this other day said that he believed that it, it was headed for 30. Now, um, I'm a little uh, skeptical here if I should get rid of it at, at these levels just because they have hundred and forty percent payout and uh and they are they have a good amount of debt and I know you know this stock pretty well. Um, so I just wanted to get your opinion on on where you think it's headed. I know you have had it a couple of times yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh I think this is an environment where BGS or BNG Foods is going to do well. Uh, and you've seen that uh, from the recent performance uh, of their business with revenue up 9%, which is the highest it's been in, in years. Earnings up 5% after uh, many, many quarters of, of negative uh, earnings growth. And earnings expect, expect to increase 25% this year. Now, they do have a good amount of debt. That's kind of their business model. They, they utilize the debt markets to buy out smaller, uh, brands and plug it into their distribution network and their marketing uh, and squeeze the juice out of it, shall we say? Uh, they bought. Jolly Green Giant some years back I think that was from Hershey I can't remember exactly but uh this is uh, this is an environment where a lot of people are stocking up right they're buying frozen foods uh and so that's benefited them and so after years of being in a downtrend it's now uh, in an uptrend and I think from a valuation perspective it does have uh some more upside and technically it still looks pretty good even though it kind of declined a lot from the uh the uh, th- Thursday sell-off I would have a stop on this of so the 50-day moving average uh, it hit that in on Thursday uh, and has bounced pretty strong um, but it's in an uptrend so you probably want to let that uptrend uh, take it higher if it's going to uh, if you for if breaks that uptrend then you get out but that's the way I would I would do it I would hold it is uh, have that 50day as you're out if it breaks it on the closing basis on a particular day then I would be out of it. Um, but I do think there is some more upside here because they are in. They have a tailwind uh, with the pandemic and the current economic environment and they don't really have any headwinds uh, except for that level of debt that they are uh, hopefully going to pay down now that their cash flow is getting a little bit better. So I would keep a trailing stop on it. Thanks for the call, Lars, and good talking to you. Thanks for calling in. Lars has given me rides to the airport in San Jose a couple of times, so appreciate that. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this break, so get your questions in now at 888 99 chart.
2: Invest Talk, this story with mortgage rates at record lows, Americans should not wait long before locking in their best rate offer. Why? That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here. He'll provide unbiased answers, but you've got to call Invest Talk. 888
3: 99
1: Chart. Good, James in New York looking at Exxon.
3: Uh, yes, I'm looking at Exxon. I entered at $49 a share. Uh, mm-hmm. It's currently about about 3% of my portfolio. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if maybe I got in a little bit too early, but there have been a different level that I might have picked it up. Uh, if so, do you recommend maybe adding to Exxon?
1: Well, clearly you picked it up too early because you're here down now, but it's... Uh... You know, I, I we like Exxon. We own that for uh, some of our managed accounts, so we like the company. Now, it sounds like you're talking a little more more near term. A uh, lot's going to depend on which way the market uh, breaks. You know, was Thursday the the beginning of uh, return trip to the March lows, or was that just a, a small shakeout pullback, and that's yet to be seen. You know, this moved down along with it and has been consolidating sideways, uh, and it looks. Like it could uh, break lower. So long term, we like Exxon. I think in this environment, their, their uh, ability to manage through uh, a tough backdrop when it comes to the oil and gas industry is going to benef- be beneficial to shareholders long term to be able to pick up assets uh, and market share in a tough time. So long term, I like Exxon, um, but it will still move with the overall market if we break down. So a lot of it depends on your view of the market. Good Eduardo in Los Banos. He's looking at play, which is Dave and Busters.
3: Hey, hey, hey how are you Steve? It's nice to finally be on the show. I'm a longtime listener. I listen to you guys every day. Um, I'm invested heavily into the into play. That's Dave and Busters. Yep. And I just wanted to let you ask the uh, industry going up anytime soon? And do you think it's a good buying price?
1: Well, it has pulled back here off the 100-day moving average, which hit in a week or two ago. And technically, it looks pretty solid uh, from all my indicators, at least in the, the near term. Now, if we roll back over once again in the markets, this is absolutely going to go down with it, right? Because this is very dependent on the economy getting back to normal, people going into crowded places like an arcade uh, where a lot of the people are touching things. So I don't like the, the medium term backdrop for this company. But if the market can stay up a little bit longer, uh, technically this looks pretty good. I think this could have a, a push towards maybe 25, maybe even 30. but. If the market rolls over, this will roll over in a big way. And if you start to see a continued acceleration, reacceleration, second wave of COVID, uh, that will definitely hurt a company like Play. So, you know, I don't love it medium term. Uh, but if you're just looking for a trade, it has pulled back nicely, maintained support, and uh, could have one last push before uh, it rolls over, which uh, you have to give it a 50-50 chance at this point. Thanks for the call. Okay. Let's close with the proposed infrastructure bill. And Bloomberg reported that the Trump administration is looking to, at a $1 trillion bill. Now, this is likely to t- take some time. Uh, it's still unknown whether this is on top of the current stimulus bill that is being passed around uh, Congress right now. Now, there are a few. Types of companies that have, have had a boost, right? Concrete companies, uh, companies like Vulcan Materials, uh, et cetera, they have had a little, little tailwind because of this news. Now, I think that is an area that has been picked over, right? That's the obvious. So we're going to pour more concrete. What to me is more interesting is the areas of the market that are likely to be pushed by the left side, the Democrats. Right? They're going to they're going to maybe push infrastructure more along the lines of solar energy, more along the lines of high speed internet. Uh, so I think that's the area, or maybe modernizing the electrical grid. Those are areas that I think have find me find more value for more opportunity in an upcoming infrastructure bill i'm justin klein this completes another invest talk program i'll return on monday steve peasy will be here tomorrow with highlights from the newest kpp premium newsletter please remember to download our new june rapid fire hour bonus podcast it is free and tell your friends about investtalk.com and the helpful resources on our website good night